Hey, podcast listener. Are you working so hard you wonder if the money is even worth it? If you're like most CPAs I work with, you have way too much to do, you feel relentless deadline pressure, and worst of all, you feel torn between serving clients and being with family. What if I told you you could work a 40-hour week without losing a dime? I know it sounds impossible, but my Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind is designed for CPAs just like you who want to get their lives back. Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind is launching soon. In it, you'll learn how to start getting your time back week by week, make your workload manageable while still bringing in plenty of revenue, what to put in your packages and how to price them, and so much more. Don't leave your future to chance. CPA Mastermind will get you on the same profitable path you've been searching for. With unlimited coaching, your success is guaranteed. Go to GeraldineCarter.com to learn more. Dates, times, pricing, it's all there. Hello and welcome to the Business Strategy for CPAs podcast, where I help you work less and make more. My name is Geraldine Carter. What I have for you today is the audio from a webinar I recently hosted on Crowdcast. There are a few references to slides, but the content is straightforward, and for the most part, you'll be able to follow along without the visuals. If you do want access to the slides, you can get access to them by clicking on the link that's in the show notes. That'll send you an email with a link to view the slides, not only to this presentation, but to all the other presentations that I've ever recorded. For now, sit back and enjoy this webinar on positioning. Welcome to How to Position Your Business So You Can Stop Getting Overlooked in the Marketplace. My name is Geraldine Carter, and I work one-on-one with CPAs to help them work less and make at least the same amount of money, if not more. What I want to share with you today is how positioning can help you in your business. I've got three short slides for you. I'll talk for about 10 minutes. And then what I really want is to open it up to Q&A so that you all have time to get your questions answered because niching, focusing on your position can be really challenging. And what I want is to help you keep on moving and continue making progress in terms of narrowing who you focus on working with and who you work best with because it makes your business so much easier. The first question that I'll talk about for you is why position? Why choose a position in the marketplace? And there are a couple answers. I think the three most compelling answers are that when you focus on who you work with and you keep it really narrow, it increases your expertise, it deepens your expertise. When you deepen your expertise, you increase the value that you can add for your clients. When you increase the value that you can add for your clients, you can raise your prices. Higher value means more prices. It's more valuable. They're willing to pay more. And when you can lift your prices, it means you can work with fewer clients for the same amount of money. So really deepening your expertise at the end enables you to work less. Another piece is that it simplifies your business. Tax and accounting, tax especially, is already enormously complicated. So why overlay a complicated business structure on top of a complicated topic? And when I look in Facebook groups for CPAs, I see them asking questions about the code that span from Guam about how do I repatriate the wife's money when she's not an American citizen, but he is, all the way to Georgia with, you know, this guy has rental properties. Is there sales tax in Georgia? I live in Virginia. The breadth of questions that gets asked is astounding. So when you narrow on a certain 
topic or by industry, it enables you to simplify what you need to learn and what you need to pay attention to and how many questions you need to ask, what you need to understand and so on. And it, and also, and it also enables you to simplify your processes in your business because you start to see the patterns of what needs to be done, what no longer needs to be done. When you can, when you can identify the patterns, it makes it much easier to streamline your workflows, which again, helps you get your time back. And the last reason is that your marketing becomes much more effective. People respond well to knowing that the CPA or the accountant that they're going to work with really understands their problems at a deeper level. So when you pick a niche or a position in the marketplace, you can really speak directly to your prospects challenges. And that makes your marketing much stickier. So let's see. So let's talk about let me stop and see if there are some questions. Any questions so far about what's valuable when it comes to finding your position in the marketplace? Why do it? Or are you all bought, sold on the idea that you should do it and just haven't yet because you've hit a roadblock somewhere along the way and haven't gotten further? So feel free to throw your comments in the chat. Plus, they help me um, spend more time on what's valuable to you. So what is positioning? Let's talk about horizontal versus vertical. So you can position horizontally in a space like cryptocurrency or stock option planning. That's horizontal positioning. You're positioning by uh, subject matter, if you will. You could also position by vertical where you position in an industry. So maybe it's construction, maybe it's medical, maybe it's dentistry, maybe it's financial advisors, maybe it's real estate, maybe it's farming. Both are totally viable. The trick is just to figure out what the value is that you're providing. Certainly there are some pros and cons by hor um, horizontal positioning versus vertical positioning. The challenge with horizontal positioning is that your people don't tend to congregate or aggregate as readily. Whereas when you niche vertically by industry, it's much easier to find your people in groups, right? They go to conferences, they have trade shows, they have publications. It's much easier. They have email lists. It's much easier to find them where they are. Okay. Diliana says, I am sold on the why for sure. I think the challenge is the how. Great. We're going to spend a lot of time on the how today. And what does the process look like? Yep. Excellent. Let's get to that as quickly as we can. So let me talk about size because it matters and metrics. So the size of business or industry, the, the size of the business that you, the size of the businesses that you focus on can make a big difference. So let's talk about quickly for if you're niching vertically by industry, that there's a very nice sweet spot between about 500,000 and 5 million for the solo CPA who, um, for the solo CPA, I'll just leave it with that. Underneath 500,000, the budget is harder to come by. And because you're working with fewer zeros, you have less leverage. But when you work with a when you work with businesses in the 500,000 to 5 million space, the five at the 5 million level, um, the business starts to get bigger and comp more complicated, and they tend to need more firepower. So unless you're in a firm, a larger firm with a larger staff, you may find it difficult to support that um, that size of business. But the question is, how does that business owner measure 
his, the size of his or her business. Sometimes it's in dollars, straight up revenue, but not always. So you have to think about, for example, if you're in construction, if your niche is in construction, the size of the business, there's a lot of cost of goods sold going on, right? Because they pass they pass through a lot of money through the top, through um, through contractors and time and materials that makes the entire revenue picture a lot bigger. Similarly, one of my clients is working with financial advisors and they measure their the size of their business in terms of assets under management. So we have to do a lot of division and percentages of size and we get to $50 million in assets under management. That's the size financial advisor. And another client works with farmers who don't measure their farms in terms of dollars. They measure their farms in terms of acreage. So she works with 7,500 acre farmers. So wherever you end up niching, you want to figure out what size and how the business owner thinks about that size. And at the end of the day, you want to have a positioning statement that you do X for Y. You do tax planning and strategy for construction company owners with $50 million in annual revenue. So let's get into how to position because this is where the meat is, right? So are you starting from scratch or do you already have a hunch about where you want to go? There are some obvious choices for where to niche. And I want to talk with you. I want to talk to you about what that process is for what niching looks like. So what I need from you all is questions. I want to know where you are right now in your positioning process. Do you have a position in the marketplace? Are you eyeing a position in the marketplace, but you're reluctant? Are you partway along and you're wondering about niching further? Do you have three niches that you're thinking about and you can't decide? Tell me where you are so that we can dig in and I can give you, um, I can get you moving forward. Okay. Jen says, I'm eyeing, but am reluctant. Okay. So Jen, I want to know what your eyes are on. And then I want to know what you are reluctant about. What is your reluctancy? What's the thought that you have when you feel reluctant? So who else is in the process of niching and in the process of finding a position in the marketplace? This is the interactive part, right? Answer your questions. The cannabis market, I'm, am I knowledgeable enough? That is a great question. Okay, where I would go with this. So for you, Jen, am I knowledgeable enough in the cannabis, play, in the cannabis space? Is this just doubt that's getting in your way? Because doubt loves to do that. It will, it, the brain wants to prevent you from doing anything that appears to be risky, right? It wants to keep you safe inside your cave so that you don't get eaten by a saber-toothed tiger. So is this just obfuscation that you're like, oh, I, I don't know enough. I definitely shouldn't move forward. Or do you actually not know enough to, yet to be able to provide advisory services to um, owners of cannabis dispensaries or farmers of cannabis? Let's see. I'm going to see if you come back with an answer to that. But here, I would do two things. I'm probably holding myself back. If you're not doing this already, I would want you to find all the podcasts that exist on cannabis. Certainly there's Dope CFO with Andrew Hunsaker and Naomi. I forget Naomi's last name. But I would binge on that so that I could understand what's going on in the cannabis industry and what they want. And I would read all the books on the business of cannabis so that I understood what the challenges were when it comes to cannabis. Certainly there are many. Uh, one of them is that they have challenge with banking, right? Because, because... Um, another one I think is that there's conflict at the federal level versus the state level. There's some, or um, 
the DEA classifies it differently than the FDA, or I'm not sure exactly what the deal is, but there's a lot of regulatory stuff to navigate. So being an expert or having a decent handle on that can really make a huge difference. Okay. I own my own business in the cannabis space and already have a handful of clients. Okay, so if you own your own business in the cannabis space, then the question becomes, what is it that you need for your own business? And chances are really good that your clients need the very same thing. So then I want to know, what do you need to build in terms of services so that you're attracting those clients? And what have you built out so that you are marketing to those folks? Because presumably, you've got at least three levels of service that cannabis dispensary and farmers are would take you up on. In addition, I could imagine a strategy session being enormously valuable for you. So come back definitely on, um, I think it's Wednesday when we do how to package and how to price. Grab the much larger, I would like to grab the much larger clients. Okay. So what's keeping you right now from grabbing the much larger clients? Do you need a, um, does your business need more firepower or do you need to be marketing to them? And are you, in air quotes, kind of intimidated by them because you're not quite sure what they need and you don't have enough of them yet? So that's where I would head with that. I want to um, I want to challenge you to ask yourself what you need to get the larger clients. Do you need to better understand their problems? Do you need to offer them figure out what the next service level is up in your sort of progression of uh, bronze, silver, gold. Like that. That's where I would head for you. So Jen, keep posting. And I want to come to Paul's question. I currently enjoy summers off and working fewer hours outside tax season. Okay. I'm worried they will want my attention year round and I won't get my summers off with the kids. Okay. So Talk to me about how you'd like to niche and sign on clients for profitable consulting packages. Okay. So Paul, are you wondering? So before I go into this question, you can create your services to be anything that you want. And then the question becomes, what's the niche that's going to be laying low in the summer and doesn't need you? Or you can have few enough clients that even if they do ping you over the summer, that it doesn't get in the way of having your summers off with kids. So, Paul, in terms of your position in the marketplace, where are you now? Do you have some ideas about where you want to go? Do you Are you starting with a blank slate? Or are you inside something of a position already? And then I will come back to you, Paul. So let me come back to Jen because she's got her question here. No market strategy right now. I want to grab the larger clients. Okay. I'm stuck between doing the books and the higher level consulting packages. This is great. So what I think, tell me what you think, Jen, but what I think is next for you is developing your higher level service, getting a client on that level service, that higher level service, and then whatever the revenue is that that new client brings in, either you use that to hire somebody to do, to come in underneath you to do the, um, to do the bookkeeping, or you let go of a quantity of clients that's equal in revenue to the size of the higher level client that you brought on. It is a bit chicken and egg. You've got to say that you are going to be working with certain kinds of people before you actually have those kinds of people. 
but it's hard to actually have those kinds of people until you start working with those kinds of people. So I get that it's, you know, getting the traction can feel a little bit circular, but once you get that first one or that next level client, then that will enable you to kind of um, detach from some of the lower level work, either by letting them go or by hiring um, farther down. Okay, with my current clients, I'm already giving advice for free. All right, so definitely packaging and pricing when we do that on Wednesday. Um, Getting bronze, silver, gold dialed in so that you've got, I'm getting a little bit off topic here, but getting getting those folks into packages so that they're priced accordingly so that you can give away your advice and they're paying for it. All right, who else has a question about where about how to position yourself in the marketplace. Because being able to position yourself as a CPA in the marketplace sets you, self, sets you up so well to be able to create more value for your clients. And it separates you from the vast majority of CPAs who are tend to be unfocused generalists, who will do bookkeeping and accounting for any business owner who needs it and who will do a tax return for anyone who requests it. The moment a CPA separates himself from the pack, from the crowd, you immediately open yourself up to the business owners, either in the vertical or the subject matter folks who need your expertise in a horizontal, if you will, who will come clamoring to you, provided that you choose one that's choose wisely, who are thirsty for your expertise and will pay you for it because you have all the answers to all the questions, and you can provide value quickly. So Paul says, I really like tax planning and for personal financial planning. I perform these as an add-on to tax prep, hourly rates, and one-off pricing. Okay, so the niche could be higher income or net worth individuals who want planning services. Yes, I love this. Okay, I've avoided bookkeeping payroll CFO because of my desired vacation time with the kids. Wife. Okay, so let me help you um, work through this. How much time in the summer do you want off? Do you want the whole summer off, like not working at all? Or are you willing to work five hours a week for a very small number of clients? Either way, I'm going to answer in both directions until I hear from you. Some work is okay. Great. So with the financial planning personal financial planning and tax planning. So we have to figure out, if we want to reverse engineer this, we need to figure out how high high net worth is. And we need to figure out if you want to only have, let's just say 10 or 20 clients so that they're not, you know, so that if you have two two phone calls a week, that that's no big deal in the summertime, then we need to figure out what your revenue needs to be. So let's pretend, let's just pretend for easy math Let's go with $400,000 so I can work with 20s. So if you're doing $400,000 so that we, we can work with 20 clients, that's twenty that's $20,000 a year per client. And if you want to be priced at $20,000 a year per client, tell me if I did the zeros wrong, then I think you're looking at creating, if you just use a rule of, uh, rule of thumb, 10%, you want to be creating $200,000 worth of value which seems potentially like a tall order, but how can you create $200,000 worth of value for a client? That's a lot of financial planning. So maybe we need to rejigger the numbers or you've got to work with much higher net worth individuals. So you can see how you've got to like work backwards dividing stuff out. But if you can, 
increase somebody's return. Are you talking, um, just for my own clarity here, are you talking, are you any kind of CFP or financial advisor? Or are we just kind of doing the basics of financial planning? Because that would help to know that. And then the other question is, what's the sort of obstacle, the mental obstacle that's in your way right now? No additional credentials, no asset management. Okay. So the question becomes, I mean, who are the people for whom you could potentially create $200,000 worth of value? Or you could have 50 clients or 40 clients and create $10,000, $100,000 worth of value and charge them $10,000 each. That might be a little easier to come by. And I'm wondering if you, what thought you've given to who that might be. Who are the people, if what you're doing is tax planning and personal financial planning, who are the people for whom you could create $100,000 worth of value? Where my head goes is real estate investors. For those who are kind of starting from scratch. It seems to me, without being a CPA, that there's a lot of value that can be created for folks with real estate investments, short-term rentals especially, uh, but also full-time real estate investors. And that working with those folks, it would be pretty straight, not pretty straightforward, I don't want to overstate it, but it would not be super hard to create that amount of value. So let me just make sure that I've done the math right. If you can create $100,000 worth of value for somebody, you can charge them $10,000. If you can have 40 people like that, you're looking at $400,000, which I think is a reasonable revenue. Um, And if you have 40 clients and you set them up in advance so that you schedule your meetings out, you can probably manage to have a pretty light workload in the summer. So I would chase that rabbit hole and um, I would go down that rabbit hole for a little bit. Or I would go down that path and explore it for a little bit just to see if you like it. But one has to be sort of have a passing interest in real estate. Real estate's not for everybody. So tell me what you think of that. And I'm just curious to know if that's a direction that sounds like it might be viable for you, or if you think that sounds absolutely vile and doesn't, you don't think it would work. Okay, who else has a question in here? got a few other folks who I know are lurking in the background. So where are you with your niche? And while some questions come in, I'll talk a little bit more about how to position in general. So I mentioned starting from scratch or having a hunch. If you have a hunch about your direction, it's a little bit easier. And when I say have a hunch, that's um, that can encapsulate a few things. It can be either that you have an interest in it, like real estate, or maybe you have some real estate of your own on the side already. Or it can be a topic matter that, you know, maybe you would have headed in that direction for your career, but at some point you made a choice and now you're a CPA and you're like, but I really, I thought medicine was super interesting, right? So you could have, that could kind of qualify as a hunch. You might have um, expertise having worked in the field before, or you may have a lot of people around you or maybe in your family who've worked in a certain industry. And so you have a high degree of familiarity with it, um, or you may simply be curious about it. So those are all ways that you would start out with a hunch and get curious about the position. If you're starting from scratch, it feels like a blank slate. Then you have, you know, any you have any number of options before you. So let me share with you some 
I, don't, I, I call them obvious choices in my notes. I don't know that they're necessarily the most obvious choices, but some places that I've helped CPAs really narrow their position, it's been really beneficial. So a clear one we've already touched on is real estate. I think real estate has a ton of potential value for for clients. So I think that's a great place to start, especially for those who are starting from scratch. Professional services is also a great one because um, these are tend to be successful business owners who want to grow their businesses. If you are interested in professional services, I tend to recommend either going in the, like picking between the architects, the lawyers, um, the architects, the lawyers like that, those professional service types, or the ones that are the designer creative types, web designers, graphic designers, ad agencies, stuff like that. So you can go in that direction. Um, Sabine, I just saw you posted. It's nice to see your name. I'll come to your um, question in just a second. So you could, so medical is an obvious choice, but even within medical, there are a bunch of different positions in the marketplace, in the medical marketplace that you could occupy. One of them is like just dentists because they don't have the same whole uh, complicated relationship with insurance as say a physician's office does who might be an oncologist or something like that. You could go in the direction of eyes. They're kind of similar to dentists and that their business is in air quotes clean. Like it's much more simple. Um, or you could go in the direction of more typical physician's offices. So those are all sort of more specific versions of positions in the marketplace. Another one is construction. Construction is great because the numbers are so big and a lot of construction company owners have big jobs and they don't know how profitable those jobs are. And they sometimes don't know the difference between markup and margin and they lose track of profitability and it can be, you can make a big difference with construction company owners in short order simply by helping them get organized and understanding what drives their profitability, what kinds of projects, remodels versus uh, building clean from the ground up, stuff like that. So, and another one is female business owners in the two to 20 million range because there are not a lot of female business owners in that revenue range the challenge with them is they don't aggregate easily. It's hard to um, get in front of them as a group. And another one is financial advisors because they too are business owners and they experience significant volatility with their cash flow because their cash flow is dependent on the stock market because their prices are based off assets under management. So helping financial advisors understand what their tax liability is going to be throughout the year and past made taxes and all these things. If you understand that business and that business model, you can provide significant value there. So those are some obvious choices, but that doesn't mean that those are the only choices. From a horizontal perspective, I mentioned earlier, um, stock option planning and cryptocurrency. Those are those would be two really interesting places. Cryptocurrency has the challenge of um, all the different crypto currencies report their data differently. And so knowing where to go to find the data that the owner needs to report is, you know, that owner has a really hard time doing that. But if you are fluent in that, and you can, um, you can help that person save a lot of time and heartache and make sure they do it right. So 
if you're looking for options, those are some those are some of the more obvious choices. So Sabine says, I would like to offer more controller services, a bridge between bookkeeping and CFO services to software and tech companies and professional service companies. Okay, this is really interesting. I like this. So what's holding you back at the moment? And the thing I want to tug on here is what's going to be the value of controller level services? Because nobody's buying controller level services. It's not what they... Well, unless you have a sophisticated buyer who knows exactly what controller level services is and what it includes, that's different. But if you are working with, as you say, the software and tech companies and professional service companies, um, okay, you think that's your issue. Which part, you think which part is your issue? (laughs) Framing the service. Okay, great. Let's talk about framing the service. What is it that a software and tech company needs? And let, so let's even before we do that, let's identify software and tech company. Is this software as a service company? Um, probably because that's where most things are headed right now. Um, or a tech company. So tech company, let's get more specific. Let's either pick software or tech company because I feel like those are separate, potentially separate positions. Software as a service. Great. So software is a service company. So what are they, what are their challenges? And how big is the revenue of a SaaS company such that they're going to want to pay you 50 to $75,000 for controller level services? And what are they going to get? Like where my head goes for this is um, understanding the subscription economy and understanding it sounds to me like we're okay. So where my head goes for this one is this is going to be about forecasting because if their software is a service company, what they want to know is they want to know what the um, rate of revenue growth is. They want to know cost, uh, cost of acquisition of customers. They want to know customer lifetime value. They want to know how much cash is going to be coming in the door months and years down the line to be able to forecast that out. They want to know returns on their marketing investment, all that stuff. So that's more CFO services. Okay, can do you want to do CFO services? <laughs> and I would also ask you don't. Okay. Okay. So what is the value that you want to provide? And knowing that there's more value in transformation than there is in just service, right? Cuz when we just sell the service, it's a lot harder to convince the buyer of the value. The, it's hard for the buyer to make the leap between the value of the service and the actual value to them. Reliable accounting department to provide reliable information. Okay, what does the reliable information help them do? What do they get out of reliable information? Like, why should I pay you for reliable information? What am I using it for? Develop forecasting. Okay, great. And what does the forecasting help me do? What am I going to be able to have or do better once I have better forecasting? My hunch is better decisions, right? More clarity around decisions, manage and grow your business. Yeah. Okay, great. This is great. So that's the marketing angle. Be able to manage and grow your business with better forecasting for software as a service companies. So how big then are these software as a service companies and how do they measure themselves? Are they, do they measure themselves in annual revenue? Do they measure themselves in um, along venture capital lines? Like are they in round D of funding or round B of funding? Or are they, um, are they not even going for venture capital? Are they private? Um, are they self-funded? 
tell me more about who these people are. Because measure along revenue. Okay, what's the revenue range that they need to be at in order to have a controller controller level service? I'm assuming fractional controller service. What's the um, what's the revenue range? Are we talking like a million, five million, twenty million, hundred million, hundred thousand? Somewhere, I think between five to twenty million. Excellent. Okay, great. We have a position for you. Software as a service companies between five million to twenty million in revenue who want better forecasting so that they can better manage and grow their business. That is a nice and tight position in the marketplace. So then the question becomes: Okay, who are these people? How do I find them, right? And then your next step is to generate a list of, not your next step, but one of your coming steps would be, if you wanted to go in this direction, um, generating a list of 20 people that you would love to have as clients. So Sabine, tell me what's running through your mind now. Does that seem like a fit? Does that seem like something that you can um, sink your teeth into? Does it seem specific and clear enough? Or are you still thinking like, uh, it doesn't quite feel right? Tell me where you're at. And then uh, let me come back to some other folks. If Paul or Jen want to come back with um, any thoughts that you all have, I can always circle back. Plus, there are a, there are a dozen of you here. So now's your chance to get your questions answered about how to position. I think this is one of the hardest steps in anybody's business is testing, is trying a position, deciding on a position, committing to it for a period of time and testing it out and seeing how it works. So I'll talk in a second about how to get started if you're kind of starting from scratch. Um, Okay, I think it seems specific. Great. So to me, it seems if you came to me and said, hey, I'm thinking of testing out this position in the marketplace, I'm, te- I'm thinking about testing out this niche, what do you think? And you told me software as a service companies between five and 20 million in revenue. I, w- I would almost give it the green light. I would want to know what challenges they have. Because it still seems like there might be a lot of companies in that space. And I would want to know where in their journey they are. Like they're just growing to the point where they need um, more firepower in their accounting department, if they, if you will, and they can no longer do with just straight up um, outsourced accountant and outsourced accountant. So I'd think that if you catch them at the place where they've outgrown their existing accounting situation and they need something higher level, then I would say, yeah, green light, go go for this marketplace. It seems like you could definitely carve out a niche for yourself there and have a small handful of great clients for whom you do great work. And if you can help them grow successfully through that range of five to 20 million, and then you cycle them off, I always think of the uh, front chain ring of a bicycle, that if you can, that a bicycle needs to cycle the chain links off the bottom of the front chain ring, otherwise it doesn't go forward. So if you can get you know, obviously you don't want all your clients to succeed on the same day and they all leave you. But if you can manage it such that, you know, every year a couple of clients are like, woohoo, we did awesome thanks to Sabine. And now we're off, we're hiring an in-house controller and they cycle off of you. They get great results. That's great testimonials for you. That's great transformation. And people will always pay more for transformation than they pay for service. 
So I love this for you. I think it's a I think it's a great potential position to occupy in the marketplace. Um, using a feature like yep, exactly. I would use LinkedIn Navigator, Sales Navigator, and I would also just use my lean into my network like crazy because you've got to figure out who that buyer is in the software as a service company. Are you know who are you talking to? Are you talking to the CTO, the CMO, the COO, the CIO, the CEO? Who is the person that's going to be making that buying decision and um, getting in front of them? The challenge with this position in the marketplace is I don't know if these people aggregate. Like, can you buy a list? of software as a service company owners at the five to 20 million range. Off the top of my head, I don't know. So that would be a trick. That would be like one of the challenges. Every niche has its challenges, so no big deal. (laughs) I'll answer that in a second. Um, Every niche has its challenges, no big deal. Um, But that would be something that I would just keep my eye out for is like, how am I going to find these people? Okay, so let me see. Have I done a podcast on LinkedIn Navigator? I have not. That could be interesting. Um, I know somebody who specializes in LinkedIn. I could see about that. If there are other people who are interested in that, I could do it. Okay, so um, a question is always, how do I niche, right? How, like, what is the process? Especially if you're starting from, from scratch or you know, if, you're just, if you've just reached a stuck point. So what I often assign clients as homework, if you will, is a two-week sprint binge where we just pick a position in the marketplace, we pick either the industry or the horizontal, and you just go study it in depth for two weeks, which means you go to your podcast app and you search for the business of construction and you find three to five podcasts on the topic and you just start listening. And some of the podcasts that you find will be garbage and you'll hit unsubscribe after two episodes. And Two of the podcasts maybe will be good. You'll start listening and those podcast hosts will mention other podcasts or they'll have guests on their podcast that you find interesting and you think, oh, I should go and research that guest who was on the podcast and it leads you, turns out they're an author. And so you buy their book and you start following them and then you're reading the book and they mention these other things and around and around it goes. So start with podcasts, you find the business of that topic by podcast and you do the same thing for books. You go to Amazon or wherever you like to buy your books and you search the business of construction, the business of farming, the business of medicine, the business of financial advisors, and you buy three books and you just binge. And then you just see where it leads you because it will open doors. But those doors will not open if you don't begin doing some research. Once you start doing some research and you binge on it, you're going to find the next thing and that's going to lead to the next thing that's going to find this random thought leader that you're is all of a sudden going to open up a bunch of doors that you then need to research more. And you will continue if you follow your curiosity and you continue to ask yourself what's going to what problems are these people uh, problems are these people dealing with, you will continue to find more and more valuable answers. And that information you will continue to build into your packages that you could call advisory services or controller CFO level services. So that's a very specific piece of homework that is immediately actionable that always generates a either a win or a loss. So a win looks like you keep opening doors and you keep following your path of curiosity and finding more information. A loss, which is also a win, is like, I went down this, I started studying this niche and it turns out I have hives <laughs> and I don't want to go in the direction of this niche at all. 
So let me talk about that situation for just a second because it happens. And the hesitation is that it seems like a waste of time in air quotes, but I'd argue that that's not a waste of time. And what happens is the process of niching can be just as much inclusion as it is ruling things out. So a CPA came to me and said, I think I either want a niche in farming or gamers. So apparently there are these gamers on Twitch who make hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars gaming, and they are LLCs and they're getting killed in self-employment tax. And she's like, I could save them a lot of money. So she tried on that niche for like two weeks. She read the books, she listened to the podcast, and she came back to her next session. And she's like, turns out gamers are not my people. I do not want to be hanging out with gamers. <laughs> they're just not me. So it was a really useful exercise because in two weeks, she clearly ruled it out instead of spinning and spinning and spinning and wondering, should she go left or should she go right? And I have my own experience of this before I, a long time ago, I was headed in the direction of corporate and I was reading all the corporate books and corporate, corporate, corporate and coaching inside corporate and coaching executive leaders and blah, blah, blah. And I just felt like it was like trying to put a cat inside a dryer, just like arms, arms and legs splayed out. <laughs> I couldn't make myself go in. And at some point, someone was like, why are you, you don't like this? And I said, yeah, I don't like this. And that was when I turned around and came back and then headed in another direction. But I had to have the experience of knowing, of finding out if that was for me or not. So the point is that I think a lot of people are hesitant of what if I make the wrong decision? And the only way to know if the decision, if the direction is wrong for you is to test it and try it out, put it on. It's like, a you can't know if you're going to like the new shirt if you have your face smushed up against the glass outside the store, you've got to go inside the store, put the shirt on, see if it fits. And if it's too tight in the shoulders, you're going to know right away and you're not going to get it. Okay. What other questions do you all have about positioning? Because I think a common question is how to position, how to start, what's the process? So another one that comes up a lot is how long does it take to get traction? In observing CPAs moving into a position, you can tell if it's not going to get any traction in less than three months. In fact, it's pretty likely that you will know in less than three months that it's working because you will just start to get responses. You'll start to get people inquiring. You'll start to, um, people will reach out to you. People will either email you or call you. <laughs> so Asif says, I will go for a two week binge after April 18th. Excellent. Yes. Yep. So set your calendar um, or in your idle time, you can at least get your uh, get your books in your Amazon cart and get your podcast queued up. Um, and Asif, I'm curious to know what ideas you have for net, for positions in the marketplace, so that we can help narrow it down for you um, right now. Um, and then I'm going to head in the direction of wrapping up because because professional services, medical. Okay, great. And when it comes to medical, are we talking more physicians' offices? Are we talking more dentist, eye ophthalmologist, ophthalmologist, optometrist? Um, are we talking more like family office, GP offices with four practicing physicians? Um, tell me where your head is there. Specialists, ophthalmologists, etc. Dentists, ophthalmologists. Okay, great. Um, these folks, I can tell you, and how big, at what stage of growth, because I can give you a hint as to what these folks struggle with, because what they'll tend to do is they'll have, they'll build up their one thing, 
and they'll have one office. And then the question becomes, I want to grow. What's the best way? Do I knock out a wall in my existing place? Do I lease a building, an off- a, second off- a second location? Do I buy a building or do I construct a building? What's the path to growing? And that happens at a certain revenue range, usually in the single um, seven figures, where they start to ask the question, what is the next, how do I grow to the next level? And it usually requires dealing with um, physical space constraints. Revenue, half a million to two million. Okay, so in that range, half a million to two million, they're not in the, I need to grow my physical space yet, probably, you tell me. Um, And probably what they're dealing with is if they're at half a million, then their books are a mess. And um, they have no idea what's going on financially. They probably have uh, payments who, like payments aren't coming in, or maybe they are coming in, but maybe they're coming in 30, 60, 90, 90 days after. They have... What they want is to simply be a practicing physician, and yet they're mired in paperwork, and they don't have a clear financial picture of what's going on in the on the financial side, and they're stressed out. Um, and probably they have some real estate if they're at two million, and they want to know how to optimize the real estate because physician types tend to have real estate as a side hustle. So I think that's a great it, the five hundred to two million. I think is a, a really nice position in the marketplace to occupy. And I think you could do a lot with it. Um, and I think your prices are going to be more in the like 10 to 40,000 range and probably less. They're not going to be at the 90,000 range. So the next step for you, so the after 18th, after, after April 18th, um, when you do your binging is to figure out what kinds of problems those people have at that revenue range, half a million to 2 million, and to develop, to build out bronze, silver, gold pricing um, and pack- packages with pricing. Okay, time goes so fast. Pop, if you have any remaining questions, I would love for you to pop them in and I will see if I can answer them on my email list. Speaking of my email list, if you are not subscribed, you can do that at shethinksbigcoaching.com. I send out an email every day, every business day of the week, helping CPAs with business strategy. And then before you go, do me one final favor of dropping in the chat what's been the most helpful thing for you. What's one clear aha or takeaway that you can walk away with so that I have an understanding of what's been most helpful for you so I can um, help more folks with same kinds of things. So while you do that, I will say we have four more of these coming up this week. Same time, same place, same link. So just pop in tomorrow at the same time and um, and we will keep on going. And hopefully by the end of the week, you have, um, you have a much clearer sense of how to add more value to a smaller number of clients so you can simplify your business and not work nearly as hard. So that is it from me for today. Thank you all for being here and hope to see you more days this week. All right, take care, everyone. Hi again. Would you rather spend your weekends outside playing or at your desk? In Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind, we put an end to overworking while maintaining revenue. Go to GeraldineCarter.com to learn more. Dates, times, pricing, it's all there.